0: Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, Almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911, and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hi, welcome to episode four of the Ron Spomer Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Ron Spomer. I'm here to read some more of my old articles, and this one is fairly recent. It's from the 2007 summary edition of a magazine called Under Wild Skies. I don't think they published that anymore. It didn't last very long. It's a high quality publication, uh, very beautiful artwork in it a uh, nice paper, just one of those higher-end magazines. It was a treat to be published in it. I wrote a story about two pronghorn hunts that I did, and I contrasted them. As I recall, because of the sort of hunt it was, but also the gear I was using. So this is kind of going to be fresh to me, but let's just start reading. I called it A Tale of Two Pronghorns, and they have a little subtitle under it saying, some pronghorns are tougher than others in more ways than one. <laughs> well, let's just see what happened back in 2007. Not many generations back, folks believed wild animals transmogrified. Mountain lions, for instance, could shapeshift into rats or bats. This was a handy way of explaining how so large a critter could seemingly disappear from plain sight. Science has discredited such fancies, but I've discovered a way to make the common North American pronghorn transmogrify. Stalk him with a muzzle instead of a 257 Weatherby. Magically, he's a whole new species cautious, sharp eyed, flighty, and possibly changeable. And hunting him? Well, it's a whole new experience. There. Gordy Cron whispered as he and our Wyoming guide, Chris Sanderson, eased into the wet snow. Ahead, out of the ice fog, resolved the ghost image of a buck pronghorn, insubstantial, a gauze floating in the brilliant haze of the sun struggling to burn through the vapor. The black horns looked gray, the tan pelage nearly white, the white neck bands indistinguishable from the glowing air around them. This spirit of an antelope was no more than a hundred yards away, or was it fifty, or two hundred? I raised my muzzle loader and aligned the crosshairs of its telescopic sight on. Nothing. The mirage was gone. Was that him? I hissed. Gordy nodded, then modified that with a shrug. Well, let's crawl closer, Jim whispered, nodding toward a clump of green yucca sprouting from a low rise before us. The wet snow and mud inspired me to substitute a painful duck walk for the crawl, but we made the cover of the shrub from where we slowly raised to see not just one, but three, four-legged apparitions floating in the mist. This time, Gordy raised his sharps forty five seventy, 70 trying to align its peep sights on the chimera with the largest horns. He wasn't more than 125 yards away, was he? Gordy asked later. I don't think so. Why didn't you shoot? I couldn't see him through the sights. I'd look over the barrel, and there he was. And then I'd look through the peep, and nothing. It was as, as if he disappeared into the mist. <laughs> I thought I heard the Twilight Zone theme song playing in the background. do 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 That otherworldly encounter contrasted sharply with my sunny New Mexico antelope hunt the weekend before. Weatherby Vice President Brad Riddell and I sat on a gravelly ridge under clear skies overlooking miles of short grass and prickly pear flats sprinkled with the occasional cholla cactus. And pronghorns. Many pronghorns. A dozen here, 30 over there, in a compact band running like a smooth wave down the ridge over there. Antelope were walking, feeding, snorting, staring, and chasing— Before mid-morning, we'd already stalked a half dozen black-cheeked bucks bearing twin hooked spires atop their heads. We'd sneaked within easy rifle range and assessed them carefully with large binoculars and powerful spotting scopes. We rejected easy shots at each. Now, one blackhorn monster trotted stiffly toward two smaller bucks that had followed an alluring doe into his orbit. Another herdmaster chased his near-twin round and round another bevy of comely females. It was a typical October morning in antelope country. Take your pick of this bunch, Brad said. I'm slipping over the ridge to check the backside. Picking, however, would not be easy. We were hunting with Kurt Kelso's push ridge outfitters, and his reputation precedes him. Each year, Kelso's clients augment the Boone and Crockett records with one or two new pronghorn entries. Already on this hunt, one elderly client, a regular with Kelso, had collected a stunning buck that green scored 85 inches. Well, and we were eyeing one that just might beat it, though at 1,500 yards it was hard to tell. What do you think? I asked Fred, our guide, who had been studying the heads through a massive 50 by 60 millimeter binocular. Will he break the magic mark? Well, he's close, but I want a better look. Well, you're about to get it. A doe sashayed past that buck who took one sniff, curled his lip and hurried behind her, followed by a string of lesser bucks. The leading lady paced straight at us. If she keeps this up, she'll bring him right into our laps. I splayed the legs of my shooting sticks and propped the synthetic stock of my 257 Weatherby Vanguard between them. I raised my knees and wriggled in behind the stock, picking up the herd in the scope. The buck was still three long rifle shots out, but closing fast in that ground-eating lope that Antelope sustained for miles. Within seconds, he reached the range of the 115-grain ballistic tip in my rifle. Seconds later, he was within reach of a 30-30, and still he came. Head on, his chest offering precious little target. Finally, inside of 100 yards, his lady friend turned right and stepped lively, leading her suitor single file, broadside, right past our guns. I've studied antelope horn size and configuration for 30 years. I estimated this one wouldn't tape 85 inches, but close. I deferred to my guide. Fred? 83. He might make 85, but I wouldn't swear to it. No, he's a solid 83. I watched this splendid buck prance away, wondering if I was making a big mistake. Probably. I can't believe you passed up that one, Brad said as he sauntered back. I watched the whole thing, and I expected to see him hit the dirt. Most guys would sell their firstborn for a buck like that. If I'd known you were going to let him walk, I'd have taken the shot. I'm sorry, Brad, but look at it this way. We had him dead to rights. He's still out there, and now we get to scour for a few bigger ones in miles of God's country looking for something even bigger. I only half believed myself, but scour we did, striding the high plains, spotting and stalking buck after buck, looking for the rare gem with horns hooked past 16 inches, and prongs exceeding six inches. We rejected a half dozen 15-inch bucks. We could afford to do this for several reasons. First, we were hunting private property close to all but Push Ridge Outfitters clients. Second, relatively mild winters on the southern plains have helped bucks grow huge horns. Third, our flat-shooting sub-MOA Weatherby Magnum rifles could reach out and smack a cantaloupe at 400 yards with nearly a dead-on hold. In stark contrast, brutal winters in Wyoming's Laramie River uplands limit horn growth. From what we've seen, the best bucks in this harsher environment top out at 13 inches. The odd one might make 14. None looked eager to let us maneuver within 150 yards, yet our Cabela's rolling block centerfire 4570s and inline muzzleloader's limited effective shooting range to roughly that distance. There they are, up the head of that draw, Jim pointed out. How'd they get way up there already, I asked. The fog had lifted to uncover a winter wonderland, a dwarf forest smothered in white. Walking over it was the visual equivalent of flying low over a cedar forest until we saw antelope towering over the highest shrubs. More crouching, watching, glassing, conferring, crawling. Back down the hill, into a draw, around a ridge, up an arroyo, pronghorns crossed in front, angled in front of the side, approached from the back. Coyote tracks began melting in the warm sunlight. Mud clung to boots and knees. There had been no mud back in New Mexico, just short grass and dust and easy pickings. After one day of searching for the ultimate buck, Brad and I lowered our standards. The entire rifle season is only three days long, and other hunters had been steadily reducing our options. Two bona fide C animals had been collected. Coolers were rapidly filled with tender chops. You should consider that Chernobyl buck. Kurt has suggested the night before. This was a wary buck several hunters had glassed and passed, us included. Its horns, instead of curling backward above the prongs, drooped sharply forward as if they'd suffered a nuclear meltdown. He's hard to judge, but i have been watching him, and I'd guess he'll push 16 inches. Well, he did. Brad, Fred, and I were still hiking, glassing, and hoping for that breathtaking buck on Sunday morning when Chernobyl walked nonchalantly over a ridge, spotting us a second too late. It's Chernobyl, Brad hissed. Take him. This time, I sat instead of hesitating. I leveled a rifle instead of the spotting scope, steadied the reticle on the buck's neck, and threw the switch. Instantly dead and consequently delicious. The steaks from that buck rested and alarmed were so tender, so sweet that even my usually finicky stepdaughters asked for more. Not so the Wyoming buck. It was smaller, possibly younger than the New Mexico buck, though that was hard to judge. After full maturity at age three, pronghorns show little correlation between horn size and age. By its behavior, my Wyoming buck suggested fairly high status, thus maturity. He controlled, or at least attempted to control, a huge congregation of does and smaller bucks on a vast flat that spread down to an irrigation reservoir. Look at all of them down there, our guide pointed out. No cover for a stalk. Well, true, but there was room for a, a nudge. Our plan evolved over the course of two days, as we danced around the edges of that herd, hoping they'd browse close enough to rough country to permit a stalk. Well, what if I, I nudged them like this, Jim suggested. You guys get as close as you can down that draw and, and along that ridge there and wait. I'll walk way around along the shore. They should come this way. If not close enough for a shot, at least they will be in rougher country. Well, Gordy took the high ground. I sat against a sage in a low swale. The antelope swarmed over a ridge between us. I targeted the trailing buck, lobbing a big slug in an arcing trajectory. I judged should score. Well, it did, but you couldn't tell by the buck's response. He merely slowed, stopped, and stared after his harem. Gordy contributed a 300 grain 45 slug. You'd think such mass would terminate a 110 pound antelope quickly. Well, you'd think wrong. The buck was still standing when I fired a second time. All three shots penetrated the lungs, but one had angled through the paunch. Well, the result was flavor too often associated with antelope, bad. If you want delectable pronghorn meat, drop them instantly with a clean shot when they're calm and rested. Additional proof for this theory was supplied by my hunting partners on each trip. Gordy picked off an undisturbed buck with a headshot, and he reported the meat was delicious. Brad had pulled off a spectacular 300-yard shot at a buck in full flight, terminating it in a dramatic roll of hooves and dust. The flesh, however, was less spectacular. So, it appears pronghorns really do transmogrify. Whether that change is fit for a gourmet or the family dog depends on us. Whether we stock them close with big slow bullets or snipe them at long range with flat-shooting magnums isn't as important as when and where we hit them. Bon appétit. Well, the magazine published uh, some sidebars. One of them was called Guns and Gear. I'll read that. Ever since Lewis and Clark had difficulty crawling within muzzleloader range of pronghorns in 1804, humans have been trying to extend the reach of their rifles. The epitome of a modern pronghorn rifle would or could well be the Weatherby Vanguard in 257 Weatherby Magnum. It throws a 115 grain bullet, 3,400 feet per second. Sight that 2.6 inches high at 100 yards and it will be less than 4 inches high at about 140 yards, dead on at 300 yards and just 8 inches low at 400. That's a lot of reach. If you prefer a stalking challenge, go the muzzleloader route or a 4570 where 200 yards is a long shot. Gordy's 1874 Sharps from Cabela's spit a 400 grain flat nose at 1,800 feet per second. Sighted dead on at 100 yards, the slug plummeted 14 inches by 200 yards. The 250 grain TC Shockwave Sable I fired from my 50 caliber Cabela's muzzleloader at 2,000 feet per second, well it struck 11 inches low at 200 yards. Pronghorn are abundant and easily found, so play the game any way you see fit. But for gourmet quality, take one that is relaxed and hasn't been running. Well, that's the way pronghorn hunting was back in 2006 or 7 when I made those hunts and wrote that article. But, man, it's gotten a lot tougher these days. I haven't drawn a pronghorn tag now for quite a while. I made a hunt in New Mexico last year with uh, Gunworks fellows and their superb rifles and really modernized, elaborate scopes and rangefinders and all the rest of that long-range stuff that has really changed hunting at long distances for pronghorn. But for me, it's still the thrill of the stock, whether I'm using that long-range rifle or a short-range tool like a muzzleloader. It's just a treat to get out there in that wide open country, smell that sagebrush see that yellow grass and just feel the the wide expanse of America's Great West and hunt one of our finest rifle quarry, the pronghorn antelope, fastest animal in North America. And unlike what you often hear, I think some of the best venison that's out there. Treat it right, shoot one that's undisturbed, get that hide off, clean him up, put him on ice quickly, and it is tender and delicious. We have probably more antelope fans around this family than any other, and that includes bighorn sheep. That's a wrap for now. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more tales and adventures, check out my weekly podcast episodes on your favorite podcatcher or at ronspomeroutdoors.com, where you can also find hundreds of articles, photos and videos on hunting, conservation, natural history, guns, ammo, ballistics and optics. You can also find me on YouTube by searching for Ron Spomer Outdoors. Until next time, this is Ron Spomer wishing you safe, satisfying and and joyous adventures afield while you hunt honest and shoot straight. want to succeed you want to fish you want to be one of the greatest tune in to west marines life on the water presented by coast to custom boats every saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m eastern on waypoint tv i'm will cooper host of hunt stands make your mark podcast if you haven't already download the free waypoint tv app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from hunt stand presents anywhere anytime and on any device